Ethan and Benjamin Castle are Americans. Watching the footy. Liam Ryan saying kick it my way. I want to jump over the pack and here he comes. Ryan! This is Buddy Franklin! This is the greatest showman! Got the handball off to Myers. Myers looking for the lead of Stengel. Gee, they're good. Gee, they're sharp. Razzle Dazzle Rioli. Oh, who else? McDonald. Timberwolf. From inside the centre square. Everyone, welcome to episode number 111 of Americans Watching the Footy. I'm Ethan Castle coming to you from South San Francisco, California. I'm Benjamin Castle coming to you from South San Francisco, California. And I want to start off with a little breaking news. No footy coach has had an affair with any player to our knowledge. This is breaking news? Yes, because in the world of collegiate bowling... What? A women's assistant bowling coach at Stephen F. Austin University... Has no jacks. ...has resigned for his position... After the school discovered he was sleeping with one of the players on the team. Ooh. Ooh, Jack. program that's won multiple national championships. Yeah, um, so for those of you who don't know, bowling is a women's sport in the NCAA. And there's, there's men's bowling, too. I don't think it's NCAA sanctioned. It's because of the number of scholarships needing to be even between men and men's and women's sports through Title IX. Oh, yeah, you're right. Aha, uh-huh, yeah, I guess uh, NAIA governs. Men's bowling, yeah. Men's bowling. There are different things that, different bodies that govern that. Anyway, the point is, an assistant coach was sleeping with one of the players, which is wild on its own. It gets better. How does it get better? The assistant coach is married to the head coach. Like, if either of these things happened, it would be wild. You know, assistant coach sleeping with player, or coach's husband sleeping with player. But we get the two together. You know what, I'm looking at some of these quotes now, and... Holy cow, so these are quotes from the soon-to-be ex-husband of the head coach, the one who was sorry the affair. Ready for this? I knew it was kind of a no-no, but there's not a rule saying it can't happen. There's not a law saying I'm going to go to jail for doing something like this. There's nothing in stone. I guess it's just an ethics code, like we frown upon it, but there's no rule, there's no law broken. Yeah, I guess you can have an affair with one of your wife's players, but why? Why are you so willing to talk about it like this? Are you this committed to the affair and this? Even if you're disillusioned with your marriage, how do you speak like this? I was the stay-at-home dad for five years, he continues. I was a stay-at-home dad for five years with the kids while Amber got to go off and coach the team. Amber, his wife, soon to be ex. And when she'd get back, I'd run practice on top of taking care of the kids. When they travel again, I'd sit back and take care of them. And when I got hired on, she almost forced me to run practices. Once I got hired on, one thing stemmed from another. I felt like I was doing too much for what I was being valued at. Wait a minute. You're a stay-at-home dad, and... No, being a stay-at-home parent isn't a bad thing, but your wife is the head coach. You're helping her out, and you're blaming her for starting this affair? For you starting this affair? For you carrying this whole thing out? I don't understand this at all. I'm struggling to comprehend this. How is... Oh my gosh. There are so many better ways to have approach this situation than to say, yeah, I'm a fuck one of her players. This is unbelievable, but this is real life. You could look this all up. Stephen F. Austin University's bowling team. I guess now we know what the F in Stephen F. Austin stands for. 
I mean, I guess we should have inferred it all along. Is, or should it be Stephen F. Dawson? Eh, no, you don't need the first tense. You know, you know, like the past tense, the abbreviation doesn't change. Man, I thought I was just going to go into this uh, joking about Ben Stokes declaring at 393 for eight in the first innings. I do declare. Managed to watch a little bit of the ashes, kept up with it when I wasn't able to have it in front of me on a screen. I'm glad that the rain didn't spoil the final sessions of day five. And I'm glad that England got humiliated. I must say, you know, obviously test cricket is a bit more difficult of a watch for people who aren't avid cricket fans, but I'm trying to get more into it and hopefully watching other formats like ODIs when uh, the World Cup rolls around later this year will help me with that. Look, I am not a particularly big cricket fan, but I'm always a fan of the British humiliating themselves. Also, I don't think some Americans realize it's a pretty easy sport to follow still. It, it actually is, but um, YouTube channels that I really like, Geography Now, they ask British people about, like, what does it mean to be British? And one of them said, we invented all these sports and we suck at them. Is that from the most recent episode? Yeah. And it's it's actually, like, pretty accurate. That That is the British thing. You invented a lot of sports and you suck at them. We have the British to thank for ice hockey. But I think there were also, like, some... I think there was some Dutch influence in that one. Okay, well, they suck at it, too. Yeah, that's not one that, like, they tie, like, their entire identity to, though. That's, that's no, different. I mean, they're big on skating, obviously. It's, you know, long track skating's their thing. Yeah. But, uh, on to the footy. Last buy round. We already recorded the next episode. Progress reports for the clubs that are on buys and round 15. Going a little out of order here because of you know, it's easier to do these previews once we have more information on list availability. I see five matchups this week being juicy and the other one involving the West Coast Eagles. I see four, maybe a fifth. One that, because of its location, actually maybe two that are better because of the location. One that's less enticing because of location. I would imagine you'd say Geelong and Melbourne is more enticing for you because of the location. Yeah. That's where we start off this round. Thursday night footy, GMHBA Stadium, 7.20 p.m. local time bounce. It'll be 5.20 a.m. on the East Coast, where I'll be watching, 2.20 a.m. on the West Coast. It is a Fox Soccer Plus game. Just two games on FS2 this round, as was the case last round. Starting with uh, round 16, though, it's going to be usually four games on per round for the next little bit. So even more American exposure for the sport. Geelong enter at 6-7 and seven in 10th after the loss at Port Adelaide. Melbourne 9-4 in 3rd coming out of the bye, before which they defeated Collingwood on the King's birthday, which is a result that still surprises me a little bit, even with how well coached and executed that game was from a Demon's perspective. I mean, it's surprising in that the Ds kind of left the door open and Collingwood weren't able to make something out of it. Oh, uh, they very nearly were. Yeah, because Melbourne clearly were the better team in that game. Had they kicked more accurately for goal, had we gone off, you know, one of the more expected score metrics, it would have more reflected the dominance they had. The question after that is, you know, how replicable is that? How much can other teams manage that against Collingwood? But Pies play later on in this round, and the Ds have the challenge of going to Cardinia Park, where they lost last year on Thursday in round 17. A very memorable game there. Excellent games out of both Cam Guthrie and Max Holmes as Geelong won by 28 points. And we had the amazing 
Italian arm gesture gif from that one awesome fan. That is my biggest takeaway from that game. Also, the Geelong responded really well to allowing a goal to Kazi Pickett, which usually doesn't happen. Usually when he gets one, you know, the D's go on a huge roll. And that snapped a three-game losing streak against Melbourne because the Demons won all three meetings in 2021, including winning the minor premiership after the siren, thanks to Max Gaughan's goal at Cardinia Park, an empty Cardinia Park in round 23, and then Gaughan kicking five goals straight and being absolutely everywhere in the thrashing of a prelim out in Perth. And 83-point Melbourne victory that most Cats fans probably don't want to be reminded of. That was nearly a tripling. Holy cow. Yeah, I really haven't had a beatdown loss like that ever since. No, that, that's an that's an Eagles loss right there. Fitting that it came in Perth. Reese Stanley should be back for the first time since round five. He had an eye socket injury that really messed with his vision. Glad to have him back. Looks like Tanner Brune will be in, even though he had the shoulder injury last week. Frankly, he's one that if he doesn't play, I don't get that bothered by it, although I know he's had some really good fourth quarters. Yeah, I just hope that Jack Bowes and Mitch Nevitt find their way into the lineup. Well, Bowes was the sub last week entering for Brune. I, I can see him being elevated this week, especially with Dangerfield out, obviously. He could be back as early as next week. Chris Scott insists that he could have played had the game been Sunday or Monday instead of Thursday. Yeah, that's that's just a normal recovery time from a hole in your lung. I just, anyone who questions Patrick Dangerfield as captain, look at that. He declared himself fit to play for this week because of course he did. He's Dangerfield. Asama Radagalea should be available next week as well for his hamstring injury. And at first it sounded like Oshin Mullen might be available for this one. He was out last week with a groin injury. We've heard conflicting reports between Fox Footy, Mitch Cleary from Channel 7. So I guess we'll have to wait until the teams are named and that should happen by the time this episode's out. Having Radagalea back would be really nice considering Jack Henry got absolutely shitted on by both Todd Marshall and Jeremy Finlayson last week. Uh, John Segler will remain out with an adductor injury. That said, with Stanley back, I wouldn't expect to see him. I mean, I would hope so. I mean, obviously, you know, don't wish ill on Segler, but at the same time, Stanley is a clear step up in terms of ability, in terms of ceiling at this point. It's not like Stanley is one of the best Ruckman in the game, but he's a hell of a lot better than what's been there in his absence. And also, Stanley being in will, will allow Blitzovs to have more time roving the ground, particularly, I think, staying in the defensive 50, considering the struggles they've had there. And it should allow Sam DeConan to pretty much never have to go for a hit out, except maybe once in a while in the defensive 50. So it should allow him to get back up to speed, hopefully. I mean, I think he got back up to speed last week, considering he held Charlie Dixon goalless, and I don't think he got enough praise for that. Well, I don't think he had a very good second half. His first half was excellent. Managing to neutralize as big a target as Dixon is a difficult task, and he, and he was able to stand up to it, even with a bit of a slip in form of the second half. From the VFL, Mitch Hardy played pretty well in his first game, so maybe there could be something there. Maybe he gets elevated at some point. As You know, with how much this team needs a physical midfield presence, I would, I'd bring him in right away. Fuck it. You'd put him in over Mullen? I'd put him in right now over maybe even Brew. Maybe maybe I'm being tough on Broome. I think you are being a little tough on him. I also just think Mullen could use more time to develop in the VFL and get... Yeah, we've had that discussion. Yeah, exactly. If the injuries don't force their, their hand at selection at 
halfback, then give him that time. It's like what we talked about with uh, Jamara Eugle Hagen in the past. And look at how well that worked out for Jamara. Looks like Shannon Neal and Sam Menegola could each play next week. Neal, by the way, just extended through 2025. I think getting getting Menegola back would be huge for a midfield that just needs all the help it can get right now. Uh, I just realized we won't be able to hear BT butcher his name this week. Yeah. I mean, maybe he'll talk about him when they, if he talks about how the midfield struggled. Maybe, yeah. Um, it's it's incredible though. It's like that old that that old vine, like spell BMW. Yeah, like where where where's the second N in Menangola? Menangola. I don't understand it. Yeah, Menangola. <laughs> Melbourne getting healthier as well with Jake Bowie able to return from a concussion, and he is more likely to play reserves. I'd say along with James Harms coming back from his suspension. Harrison Petty sounds like he'll be put right into the 18, coming back from a foot injury, and they'll put him in a more defensive role. The Attention to Detail podcast reported that Petty will be replacing Adam Tomlinson in the lineup, and while Tomlinson did have a pretty strong game against Carlton in round 12 and did all right in the King's birthday game, Petty's ceiling is much higher. Man, I would have rather faced Tomlinson. Yeah, I know you would. Just put a big body on him and watch him struggle like he did at times against Mason Cox a couple weeks ago. That, that could have been a case where, you know, Blitzovs could have been really useful forward if Tomlinson were in, but looks like it'll be petty. Um, we came into this preview suddenly in starting to record thinking that we were going to talk about Clayton Oliver's inclusion, but no, all of a sudden he requires another week still. So I guess that takes some of the pressure off of Geelong, but still you look at what Melbourne did so well last week, winning contests with their strongest players in the guts, Petraka. Viney, Brayshaw. I agree with you. Viney is getting the praise that he's due this year. I don't think he did during their premiership run, so I'm I'm particularly glad for that now. Oliver completes their structure, and the fact that they won and really should have won a lot more convincingly on the scoreboard without Oliver in speaks volumes to the depth of the list and the coaching job done. Yeah, I don't feel great about this game because I think Melbourne is as good defensively I think their forwards are not that far off, and I think their midfield is far superior. I'm still wondering, though, you know, what's it going to take for Ben Brown to come back in to the mix for forwards? Wasn't playing badly before he got hurt and just hasn't seen the AFL oval since. They brought in Joel Smith ahead of him. Yeah, Smith hasn't been bad, per se, but I was a little surprised that Brown couldn't get in there. Maybe that's a guy you could look to move this offseason yet again. At age 30, I'm not sure how many clubs are going to be willing to take the risk on him, but I want to see him stick around. Good dude. D's favored by a point and a half. My hope is that they're rusty coming out of the bye and that the Cats have gotten the one home loss out of the way this year. I mean, teams are one and five coming out of the bye thus far. And hopefully, look, I really don't think we played that poorly for most of the port game. So hopefully they come out and piece some of the things together. Because like I said in the round 14 recap, this team has the pieces, and just other than the game against Sydney, we usually haven't seen all of the pieces there. It will be great to see everything come together in this game. In terms of personnel, obviously, it hasn't all been there most of the year, so that's a big contributor, but it's one of the thirds of the ground that's been off pretty much every game other than round six, and usually it's been the middle, but the defense needs to be a lot better than it was last week if the midfield's going to get outclassed, which it probably will be because it's Melbourne. Friday night footy this week is St. Kilda in Brisbane at Marvel Stadium. Should be a decent showing for the old Fitzroy base. 
7.50 p.m. local time, 5.50 a.m. Eastern, 2.50 a.m. Pacific for American audiences, and this will be on Fox Sports 2, as nearly every Friday night footy game is these days. If this is really one of those that, if it was at the Gabba, I would be nowhere near as intrigued by it. I think the location helps make this game far more appealing. I still like the Lions in this one. I do too, but I think this will be quality entertainment. You know, last year, these teams met twice, and the first game was a really good game until injuries just killed the Saints. Brisbane went on to win by 21 in round 13. Then they won by 15 in round 22. Yeah, I remember that round 13 game being so disappointing because the Saints ended up with two on the bench and nearly one. Mason Wood was able to return, but barely he was hobbling. It was Mitch Jones was taken out of that game. Dan McKenzie, Zach Jones. Actually, those two are set to return through the reserves this week. So their depth is going to be a little bit better. And then uh, that round 22 game, it was dueling four goal games from Mason Wood and Cam Rayner. But outside of Wood, the Saints had a lot of issues in a front of goal. I don't think it was one of Max King's strong games on that front. Lions have won the last three meetings going back to 2021. Saints enter at 8-5, coming off their loss at Richmond. The Lions 9-4, having beaten the Swans. Tim Memory did not play VFL last week, but should be available. I think he opens up so much for them offensively. I would love to see that. I mean, Jack Vitell and Ben Patton could help open up things after their strong reserves showings. Went back and watched a bit of Sandrio, just trying to gauge what their offense looks like with and without Memory. And, I mean, I would like to see Memory return to the AFL level it was surprising to me that he has been kept out. Maybe that's really backing in Max King and Anthony Caminiti. I think you got to find a way to accommodate that whole group. I would, I hate to say it because I really, really like him, but Matthias Filippo hasn't done as much lately, so maybe that's where you find a way to get him in. Maybe. And what's amazing is I think Tim Memory's voice is probably higher pitched. I remember you were amazed by just how low Matthias' voice is. Yes. It's intimidating. The video that they did with uh, him and Seb Ross after their win in Sydney is just like, wait, Seb Ross's voice is higher? Yup. The Lions will be getting Hugh Cluggage back from concussion. Dane Zorko is likely to be available from a calf injury, but how much do they want to rock the boat after the performance their younger players gave in the midfield last week and the pressure they brought? Loved Kai Lohan on his season debut. Jasper Fletcher in his league debut with a goal and consistent and consistently good runs. I mean, Devin Robertson, I guess, would be at risk as well, despite how much I like him and the work he's done the past two, three weeks. So I think Loman is the one of those three that I'd be the most the most keen on keeping in the lineup. I'd be I'd be the most adamant about keeping in. I mean, Zorko, you could see him as a bit more like for like for Robertson. Fletcher obviously can get more time, a little bit more time to develop. We saw Fletcher take a bit of that outside responsibility that McCluggage tends to have, so I would understand that swap. And hey, if Robertson's out, all the more reason for him to want to come home. Also, if they want to go with a really tall lineup, could bring in former basketballer Tom Fullerton. Last week, they played Darcy Fork, who ended up getting subbed out. Speaking of Darcy's, Darcy Wilmot was the Rising Star nominee last week. Good body of work nominee there. Lions favored by three and a half for this one. I would put this line a little bit higher, maybe like, I don't know, seven and a half at most. Wouldn't mind that. Uh, I'd definitely put the line higher when they play again in the closing round at the GABA because it's the GABA. Do you see the Lions winning all 11 home games and then losing in straight sets at home? It would be pretty funny. Well, let me check. 
Remaining home games for the Lions, aside from Geelong, which I will say this, Mark O'Connor has done a damn good job on Lockie Neal in the past. Yeah, so uh, let's see. Next, Richmond, ne- that's next Thursday's game. That's, huh? that's going to be juicy with the tires coming off the bye. With how Richmond's playing, likely don't sleep on them. Eagles, no. Crows, unlikely. I, I think the Cats and Tigers have the best chance, followed by the Crows. I'm just I'm pumped already for that uh, meeting with Richmond, especially considering how that elimination final went last year. I might go back and relive that one leading up to that Thursday nighter. Will give me a chance to appreciate Zach Bailey even more. That's for sure. I still insist that Bailey can crack the All Australian team within the next couple years. Do you like a real outside pick? You know, whether it's the Lions or anyone in the league for like you know a player that maybe not a lot of people are thinking about is contingent for all Australian that you really see getting a jacket within the next year or two. Not really off the top of my head. I mean, I've been an advocate for Bailey. Uh, I mean, obviously, if Jayamis continues his progression, he could get there very quickly. Oh, yay. The Sydney Swans and the West Coast Eagles. You remember these teams played at Cardinia Park two years ago? Yeah, the it was part of the Eagles proud tradition of shitting down their leg at Cardinia Park. Yeah, that was a 92 point defeat. The Eagles managed 26 points, which uh, they have managed to score in every game this year. Barely. And then last year, they played a round five out in Perth, and the Swans won that one by 63. It was what it was. This one gets underway at 4.35 p.m. at the SCG. It'll be 2.35 if you're watching from the West, 2.35 a.m. on the East Coast on Saturday morning, and 11.35 p.m. Friday night on the West Coast. I am planning on sleeping through this game and waking up for the next one. Is there any chance at all that I will regret that? Maybe if the West Coast defense just manages to lock things in and Oscar Allen is able to bully his one-on-one matchup, but I find that very, very slim. There's a reason that currently Sportsbet is offering eleven fifty on the dollar to bet on the Eagles. The Swans are 50 and a half point favorites on Bovada, if that's any indication. I mean, look, this is a healthier version of the Eagles than we've seen. Uh, for now, we'll see how long that lasts. Tom Barris and Jeremy McGovern will both be patrolling the back line until McGovern gets hurt again. Barris has missed the last couple games with a hip injury. McGovern injured his hamstring in the Western Derby in the carnage of that second quarter. I really think they win that game if they stay healthy. I don't know about win, but it's a lot more interesting if they do. Liam Duggan will be back as well. One of their more consistent performers this year. I don't think gets enough respect throughout the league. Had a toe injury and then also was suspended for a dangerous tackle, which he was going to contest. And then he got sick and couldn't give evidence while he was in the hospital. So they said, fuck it, you're not one of the Brownlow or the club best and fairest. Is this the week Elliot Yo gets hurt again? Yes. I hope not. Hopefully by talking about it so much we can fight it off it is elliot glass bones and paper skin yo you can only poke that bear for so long and as i've said before it sucks because he's still an extremely effective player when he's healthy you look at the performances he's had the last few rounds thing with the eagles the last few weeks has been there have been a few monster individual performances and then absolutely nothing else yeah yo has been one of those monster individual performances 24, 26, and 30 disposal games since coming back. Allen has kept up, obviously. Hopefully having more of a back line will allow for more logical matchups there. 
I'm still hoping Brady Hoff stays in and can be that accelerator and score starter from halfback through the wing at the center line. I hope people outside Western Australia and outside our podcast will learn to appreciate Brady Hoff as much as I do. I want to know who needs to elevate their game you know, just to a respectable level, not a star level, to give the Eagles something of a supporting cast. I know he's very young, but Rhett Bazo got punked by Taylor Walker to the point that Oscar Allen had to go back and play on him. So Bazo is a very clear answer there. I also have not been impressed by Xavier O'Neal in the midfield and half forward this year. I was keen on watching him progress in his age 22-23 season after the way he ended last year, but it just hasn't been there. So Bazo and O'Neal are the two that I'll really be watching. Hopefully Elijah Hewitt will come back in after his head knock, and Zane True did well as the sub in the limited time he had there. He could be elevated. I hope that, that doesn't squeeze out Greg Clark, though. Clark attacks the ball really well, and, and he was the, one of the few players that actually wanted to get to Jordan Ngoi when he put that hit on Hewitt in the first place. But unfortunately, he was on the bench at the time. On the Swan side of things, they should extend Dane Rampey through 2025. So he's going to be 35 when that deal's done. That likely takes him through the end of his career. Wait a minute. He shares my birthday too? Let's fucking go. So I share my birthday with Rampy and Kazi. I like Dane Rampy. When the Swans have played really well over the last couple of years and won tight games, it usually has involved him doing something really gritty in the fourth quarter. I don't know if that's going to be necessary this week, but I just appreciate him as a player. They will not have Sam Wicks this week. He's been suspended two games for that late and high bump on Ryan Lester. And that ban was just accepted. No tribunal case there. David Zeta, you are free. I guess that means Schnitz loses a customer, though. I mean, for all we know, he still could have gone there. Uh, Buddy Franklin, despite knee injury, is likely to play. Isaac Heaney should be back from his concussion. So does that squeeze out last week's debutante Jack Buller then? He was subbed out. Would seem pretty logical. Yeah, who who came in as the sub last week? It was uh, Dylan Stevens, who had been playing in the reserves for a few weeks. That's right. He looked really good in the sub role. I don't know if you keep him there. We always talk about, you know, it's not great to be that good at the sub role because of how much it stunts the rest of your career. But I would I would have to imagine Stevens will be in V23 in some capacity. Uh, sounds like Tom McCartan could be back soon. He had lingering concussion symptoms after round eight. And while his brother's done for the year, he could be back. And then Callum Mills could be back in the next couple weeks from a calf injury. I would really appreciate if he waited until after Geelong made their visit to the SCG. Both of them. Yeah, I think Mills especially, because I think Mills is so central to everything they do. I bet Tom's itching to get back in against his hometown side, though. He's a, he's a Geelong guy. He's a Geelong Falcon. What about him coming home eventually? Not needed right now, but maybe as other defenders get older. Eh, leave it on the table. So, yeah, the line's 50 and a half. What do you expect the margin to be? I don't know. I haven't paid particularly close attention to the Eagles, as I've said. Well, I was very close two weeks ago. Mostly as a joke. I said the Crows would win by 119, and they won by 122. So, 84. That seems high. That seems very high. Even though it's the Swans at home and they're due to play better at home. I think Buddy's due for a bag. If he's in, 84. If he's out, 70. I think it could be much closer to, the, to that 50. I think they could keep it to the 
like high 50s. And I would sadly be impressed by that because that's how the season's gone for the Eagles. All right, we're going to take our break. Catch you in just a minute. Yeah, uh, we also need to let the cat back into the room. He's been yelling outside. Let's let's get Brian in here. If you aren't already, make sure you're following this podcast so you can get updates on when new episodes are uploaded. Also, make sure you check out all some of the uh, polls and questions that we ask. Those are mostly visible in the Spotify page. You can also follow us on Twitter and on YouTube at Americans Footy. Currently on Twitter, we're uh, running a poll for the main character of round 15. I think it's going to be Trent Cotchin over Cody Waitman, but there's time for that to change. You can find me personally on Twitter at BenjaminHK01. I am on Twitter at Castle Media. That's Castle with the K. Brian Harambe is sitting on the bed next to me. He's been going nuts for a while. He's either having a little cool down before going again, or if, or maybe he's actually settled down. Yeah, he was uh, playing with one of your mechanical pencils before this. But yeah, he is on Instagram at CatNamedGrian. Do I need to find a way to post stuff while you're away, or I'll, I guess I'll send you videos? I'm the manager. You send me stuff, it gets posted. We get back into the footy previews with... The late Saturday game, a very, very special matchup for us. Fremantle and Essendon playing at Optus Stadium. This will actually be the first time that they're playing out west since we started watching. All three meetings since 2020 have been at Marvel Stadium. And that 2020 meeting was the first footy game we ever watched. We didn't know anything about anything. We recognized right away. I mean, we didn't know who he was before, but he was like recognizable. He stood out. Um, we didn't know really where the teams were located, what cities they were from. We figured out like, oh, okay, so this is six points and this is one point. And these umpiring signals are hilarious. Going back and looking at that game, Jake Stringer was a little bit inaccurate, but had what ended up being the game-winning goal. And Sam Sturt kicked three goals straight on debut. I didn't realize he'd been in the league for... Four years already. Yeah, I think it was super young. That was a six-point Essendon win. Bombers won by seven in 2021. And last year, uh, it was not close. An eight-goal win for the Dockers, snapping a five-game losing streak against Essendon, and Matt Taverner kicked seven straight in that game. Yeah, unfortunately, injuries have obviously taken their toll on him to the point where he's not part of their best 23. It's too bad. It's a great what you know, he's one of the great what if he stayed healthy guys. Could a flag mantle have been a reality with him? I don't think he alone changes the course of their 2022 season. Could have certainly helped. He's now 30 years old. Gotta be right by the end of things now, unfortunately. But they've made up for some goal kicking in the aggregate, and the introduction of Jai Amos is one of the more accurate kicks toward goal in the league has been a huge help. This game will get underway. At 5.25 p.m. Saturday out west, that's 7.25 p.m. if you're watching in one of the eastern states. On the east coast of the U.S., it'll be 5.25 a.m. So a nice sunrise game. Yeah, that's that's how I'll be tuning in. On Fox Sports 2 also. Yeah, hopefully a hotel has that. Then I can you know, have like the two screens and, you know, do my thing with the with replays. And like if you miss something, you can go back and see it easily. It's going to be 2.25 a.m. Pacific time. Dockers 6-7 and in 13th after getting blown out at the Sydney showground. Essendon come back into things after the bye in 6th and 8-5, and having convincingly beat the Blues with a third-quarter burst to put that game out of reach. It was center clearance dominance. Zach Merritt moving forward made a huge difference as well. 
And uh, it also helped, obviously, that uh, the man who was supposed to tag Zach Merritt didn't register any tackles. Way to go, Ed Kerno. It's not even a Blues game. It was, the Blues are off this round, and we're still talking shit about him. Frio should have some big ends this week. Michael Frederick likely back from his ankle injury. Sean Darcy is likely to return from his hamstring injury. And James H should be out of concussion protocol. They missed those two really badly last week. They missed all three of them. With, yeah, I with, think the lack of fire and life that came from Frederick's absence you know, should not be understated. As well as Aish being their most complete wingman still, um, they aren't going to rush him back because of his concussion history, but it was a nasty hit, obviously, that caused Ryan Mansell to be suspended for three games. He lost that appeal, so he's already started serving that. As I said last week, the Dockers looked like a team without their top rock and without their wings. They forced themselves to kick inside a lot more, and that was when the Giants took advantage and rebounded really well because the Dockers weren't necessarily set up well in defense, and their back six, they didn't do a great job in, in the stay-at-home work. And that's that's been a complaint most of the year for them, but just opening, being able to open up the outside of the ground again should do a lot for them. And whether or not Aish is in, they've got pieces to make that happen. Frederick being likely is big for that. Neil Erasmus could play a role there. He was the sub last round. You could have Carl Warner come in for his debut. It was a rookie elevation in 2021. Kind of mentioned him like every week, basically. Went back and watched a bit of Peel Thunder's game. Wanted to look at him as well as Sebit Kweck, who kicked six goals straight. He could be in for the aforementioned Sam Sturt, who had a down game. I mean, I'd be all for Sebit debuting. And then whether it's Erasmus getting in the 22 or having Nathan O'Driscoll playing a bit faster on the wing. They need to use that speed on the outer parts of the ground as well. So much of the game nowadays is taking the ball from congestion to space, and they have those contested pieces, obviously, particularly in Caleb Sarong. So the more avenues you could have to utilize speed off those contests, the better. And the Dockers have the pieces to do that. On the Essendon side of things, looks like Darcy Parrish is going to be back from a calf injury that he suffered back in round eight. That'll be a nice addition. Hope they enjoy him before he hopefully comes home. Uh, Dylan Scheel and Sam Draper had injury concerns heading into the bye, but it doesn't sound like either of them are likely to miss. Uh, Scheel potentially with a foot injury. I think Draper is going to be in. If Draper and Darcy are both in, that'll be a high-profile matchup there. Two very different styles, but both very strong players. I see Darcy is more just going straight at the ball, whereas Draper likes to take some really interesting angles. I can see, like, early career Nick Natanui in Draper and how he tries to approach contests from different angles. Yes, we think of Nick Nat now as just pace around the circle and hit ball, but he was more than that. I think even the more recent versions of Nick Natanui are still tremendously fun to watch. It sucks that he's hurt. Speaking of injuries, Will Setterfield's a couple weeks away from coming back from a foot injury. As for the guys who are currently playing, I mean, Elijah Sadas came back from injury and has been building a case for his debut pick five from this past year, who could have gone even higher if there weren't some of the injury concerns he already had leading into that. Husqvarna. Oh yeah, we call him Varna because sawdust and saws and shit. That was your creation, yeah? Yes. Vinda was too. I'm going to come in with like, Nicknames how Australians come up with them. Yeah, you know, it's not like the classic American sports nicknames. Where it's, it's not just like Saudi, where you just like short the last name and add E at the end. That's the hockey thing. It's it's everything, but especially hockey. Oh, yeah. Like Smith becomes Smitty. 
if Draper ends up not being able to play, Nick Bryan's been doing better in the reserves. Wasn't thrilled with him in the performances he had at the AFL level, but between that and Andrew Phillips trending downward, I think there's definitely an avenue for Bryan to get in there. Yeah, I was going to mention Phillips' slip in form as well. I'm excited about this matchup because of just our connection to it, and also because I can see this going any which way, especially with Frio playing at home. There is a definite home ground advantage for the Western teams, and the Dockers are favored by five and a half in this, though I'm more keen on Essendon. I'd push this line out a couple more points in favor of Frio, actually, but I think this is going to be a damn good game. These are two pretty evenly matched teams. It's the first time we've been able to say that about them in a while. Ooh, actually, I want to change my prediction a little bit. There is a slight chance of rain in the forecast for Saturday afternoon. Oh, if it's rain, then uh, yeah, I'm liking that Essendon tip even more. And I think it should be a heck of a crowd as well with the Western Bombers contingent being so strong. I hope so. It would be fun if this ends up being like a great matchup year in and year out because of the personal significance it has for us. And honestly, you know, thinking about where these teams were, I'd say in 2020 and 21, at the, near the start of the seasons, especially when they met, you could see them being more even, but they haven't played this late in the season since we started watching. So I think that adds to the to the, to the hype that we're building up for this game as well. This is the sort of game that could easily be the difference between making and missing finals when it's all said and done. Ah, yes, for Frio making finals and then Essendon making finals and losing in the first round, as is tradition. What a glorious day for Essendon and for the world. As per Sunday footy, first of these two games, it's a rematch from earlier in the year. It's one that, at the other location, I think has more intrigue, but could still be pretty compelling as Collingwood hosts Adelaide at the MCG. This is the first time the Crows will be playing at the G since round two last year against Collingwood, believe it or not. The fire alarm. Yes, and you were watching that at, was it at a baseball game? No, I was having dinner with a friend, had the game on mute just on my phone, and then the whole thing happened. I was like, wait, what the shit? Yeah, and there was a fire in a concession. But at first, it was called a false alarm. I think it was just put out really quickly. It was all confusing, and Collingwood won that game. In fact, Collingwood have won the last seven meetings dating back to 2018, and these teams drew in 2017, so Adelaide haven't beaten the Pies since 2016. And they're meeting in round seven this year in Adelaide. It was inaccuracy that doomed the Crows, and we knew it from the start. Dominant to the first quarter, but only managing to kick three goals six. And then... That was what Collingwood kicked in the last, but they got over the line by one point thanks to a Steele side bottom behind. I do think Steele meant to kick that for a behind. Whether or not he did, it worked out. That was a very memorable game. Hopefully this one will be as well. I'd love to see the Crows show up on the road. I'd also love to see more accurate goal kicking. Is that too much to ask? That's been a trend in multiple, you know, a dominant but inaccurate quarter has been a thing for the Crows a lot of times this year. GWS and Richmond, the first two rounds. Yeah, this is a team that could easily have three more wins. But instead, they're seven and six and in eighth. And their ladder position is really at risk this week. Collingwood, meanwhile, are 11 and two after losing in the King's birthday match before the bye. And these teams coming off byes, so they can't both lose. Uh, you did this once before this season. I know, I know. 
Oh, you want a draw. I'm speaking it into existence. It would be really funny if after that, this is a draw too. I'd be convinced that I have powers, even though I'm you know kind of like asked for draws all the time. This this would be something special. It was clear that Collingwood needed another tall forward two weeks ago, and we thought that Dan McStale would be the solution to that problem until he had an infection in his finger and will be out for another couple weeks at least. So Nathan Kruger, come on down until he gets hurt again. Kruger kicked eight goals in the last two VFL games. So bring it on. Have him in there in the mix as well as Darcy Cameron and Mason Cox put a slightly thinner Adelaide back six under the pump. Now that Tom Duday's out for the year, really challenge Josh Worrell. I think you can do so much by overwhelming the Crows with size. So I think I love the idea of getting Kruger in there. I think that will be the biggest way to stop Max Michelani as well, considering he's a bit on the smaller side. 6'3", 176 pounds. So, okay, Australian, so you can understand that. 190 centimeters, 80 kilos. So not huge. It could easily be bullied by a player of Kruger's size. In addition, Jamie Elliott could return after injuring his shoulder in round 11. And the biggest news of all, and... Maybe the happiest injury news for me for the week, even as an Eagles fan, this gets me happier because Collingwood are relevant. Jeremy Howe will be available. Suffered that compound fracture in his arm in round one, finally recovered and able to take his place in the back line. That's going to be just another selection headache for them. Who do you take out then? Maybe, well, I mean, it would be weird coming off the bye to rest somebody, but you could. I mean, does that threaten Billy Frampton's spot? Does it take out Oleg Markov from being the sub? I don't exactly know where that fits there. Maybe Will Hoskin Elliott's at risk because he always seems to be near the bottom of their 22 or 23. There's no clear solution there, but if Hal's healthy, you gotta get him in. On the Crows' side, they've been pretty healthy altogether. Uh, Harry Schoenberg played well in the Samful and just got an extension through 2025. Uh, Braden Cook continues to make his case to play. He's been good on the wing. And Shane McAdam is working his way back from a quad injury. Also, Josh Rochelle has been extended through 2029. One of the longest-term contracts in the league, along with the Carlton Coleman medalists, Clayton Oliver, and Nick Blakey. Big vote of confidence. Rochelle saying, I want to be a one-club guy. Really admiring Taylor Walker, Rory Sloan, that older generation of Crows who have managed to do that. And for a Victorian to do that as well makes it, I think, more impressive and complimentary of what the Crows are building there as a community. I think, oh, by the way, did you know he had a soccer background? Yeah. Pretty cool that he has a soccer background. Yeah. I don't think it's discussed enough that he has a soccer background. Yeah, he was in Melbourne City's Academy. I think it is easier you know, for guys that are away from home, you know, from the South versus the West, it's it's a pretty significant difference. At the same time, anytime it's, you know, it's an out-of-state player who, who has made that commitment, I find it significant with how strong the state culture is in Australia. Collingwood are favored by 19 and a half. Because it's at the G, I feel comfortable saying Collingwood will win this. Yeah, it's, it's not if, it's how. I think they maybe push this one out a little more, but I'd love to see the Crows put up a good fight and prove their worth as a real finalist contender. I want to see what Taylor Walker and Darcy Fogarty can do against the duo of Darcy Moore and Nathan Murphy. 
those will be a couple great tall matchups in Adelaide's forward 50 that will define the contest regardless of margin. Were you making a, ju- a pun there because of Jeremy Howe coming in? Would you no, say? I actually wasn't. But how? All right, final game of the round. Gold Coast hosting Hawthorne at, I'm still used to calling it Metricon, but Heritage Bank Stadium. These teams haven't played on the Gold Coast for a while. You look at the history between these teams, it's a lot of alternate sites. In fact, they played at two alternate sites last year. Darwin round 11, where the Suns had one of their best games of the year and won by 67. And then Jack Gunston's five goals buoyed the Hawks to a round 21 win out at Launceston. Yeah, these teams haven't played on the Gold Coast since... 2017 and they've met six times since and yet the eagles still don't get to host the lions this one gets underway at 4 40 p.m local time on gold coast hopefully finishes round off with a really nice sunset it's an australian sunset it ought to be nice it'll be 2 40 a.m on the east coast where i'll be watching it'll be 8 40 a.m in switzerland there's the time zone for the week and if you're watching on the West Coast of the U.S., like Brian Arambe likely will, it'll be 11.40 p.m. Saturday. And it'll be mostly sunny on Sunday, so we should see a nice sunset there on the Gold Coast. Good. The mighty sun will put on a good show. The Suns were not mighty last week. They obviously need to bounce back and take care of business points-wise. I was shocked at how much they got beaten in the middle of that game. Yes, Carlton have a strong midfield. Yes, the Suns are without Tuke Miller. But to get shellacked in center clearances like that? That was a really embarrassingly bad second quarter, as we've said. Suns are 6-7. and seven. They're in 12th. Hawks 4-9. and nine. They're in 16th. Coming out of the bye off of that really impressive win over the Lions. Yeah, they've won two in a row and three of four, having also beaten St. Kilda before Brisbane. A couple gutsy wins there. Coming back late to secure the win against the Saints and controlling much of that game against Brisbane. Sure, you can say it was the Lions at the G and Hawthorne have had their number in general, but still very impressive. Now, that was a really strong win for them. And regardless of history, you got to be impressed. You might not think this matchup is super juicy. I think with where both these teams have trended in these past week or two in particular, it's a season-defining game for both of them. A Hawks win will just further cement their place as non-tankers and a team to be in consideration for even next year while it would doom the Suns to missing the eight again probably and it would I think it would start some really serious conversations about Stuart Dew's future with the club hopefully they don't go the route that Essa did did last year where they openly court Dima while Stuart Dew's still under contract I can totally see it happening What's the legality of marijuana on the Gold Coast? That's that's probably an important part of this. No wonder he went to Colorado. Yeah, you didn't put that together right away? I was just thinking about the NBA Finals. I, I'd love to have someone do like the, like put Dima's face on Randy Marsh from the episode where all the South Park dads give themselves cancer. Score! Well, now that it looks like Ken Hinckley isn't going to the Gold Coast, Hardwick's the easy target. Couple of injury-related things for the Suns. Unfortunately, one of our favorite youngsters in the game, Joel Jeffrey, has a stress reaction in his foot, and that's going to keep him out for about six weeks. Like the work that he'd done at halfback, was unsure of the move at first, but it was in the second game in Darwin against Adelaide where he really looked at home. I mean, th- there was no pun intended there, obviously. He's from Darwin, and I love that he put on such a good performance for his family and friends there. 
thankfully, it's a pretty deep list for the Suns, and their back six has tightened up. Obviously, Charlie Ballard and Sam Collins are mainstays. Will Powell has been a positive this year, and Lockie Weller should be back. Last played in round seven before, having a couple problems with his knee, including some pretty severe swelling, but he's likely available. You could also see Connor Butterick and Sean Lemons come in or be at least considered. They have both returned from injuries through the reserves. And further down the ground, Sam Flanders and Brandon Ellis were both dominant in the Suns' last VFL outing. But was Sam stupid and or sexy? Uh, more likely to have been sexy than stupid if, if he was considered best on ground as the Suns thrashed the Northern Bullants by 122 points. Would, the, would like a Bullants versus Coburg game be like Sicko's VFL? I guess. Have they played yet this year? Oh, right, they did already play, and the Ants won by seven in round eight. Coburg still winless? Coburg still winless, and that's one of the Ants' two wins. Who, who else did they beat? The Swans reserves three weeks prior. Oh, wow. Sydney reserves just have one win on the year. I think the injuries at the AFL level have really hampered them there, like it's been with, you know, the West Coast reserves of the Waffle, for example. I mean, I know they've been missing some guys, but damn. All right, Hawthorne will be without James Sicily for three weeks. He had that sling tackle that concuss Hugh McCluggage. Tried to appeal. Appeal failed. Basically, what the match review panel in the tribunal did was legal. Winning an appeal is very tough unless you're Carlton. It looks like Sam Frost will be back from his foot injury, so uh, buckle up. Embrace the chaos. Luke Bruce was subbed out from that pre-buy game with a corked quad. He should be good to go. Not sure about Changboth Jaff. He hurt his calf back in round nine, but he's pushing for a return. I'm really concerned about Hawthorne's defense if you've got Frost as the main guy trying to engineer play out of the back. I hope Joth is able to play and take some of that leadership because it's a clear void without Sicily. And as much as I want Hawthorne to win and would have heavily considered tipping them had Sicily been in, I don't see this Hawks defense being able to hold up without their captain. I'm also wondering now that Dylan Moore is back playing baseball, how he'll be able to also play football. I mean, I've seen crazier things. I've seen Barry McKay playing two games one after the other. From the VFL, Josh Ward, Harry Morrison, and Fergus Green have all pushed to get their way back into the AFL lineup. Green had a five-goal performance for Box Hill. Chad Wingard played down there. I'm not sure if he's going to be fully ready to go. I think he might be up to speed already, though. The biggest thing I'm thinking about Chad Wingard is that he needs to start a Wingard mouthguard company, considering the lacerated tongue he suffered this year. Seems like a no-brainer. Cooper Stevens, who I've been calling for like every week, was among the emergencies in round 13, but didn't play. Between Stevens and Henry Hustwaite, late second round pick from this past draft, I'm expecting a Hawks debut sooner or later in the midfield. I'm hoping Stevens can get the call soon because I like the signs from him last year and I want to see what he can do at his childhood club and in a younger environment as a whole. Suns favored by 23 and a half. I think this is a really tough game to get a read on. As I said, I like the Suns because the Hawks are without Sicily and Ben King and Levi Casbold could really punish the talls there. It's going to require a very strong game from Josh Weddle in particular to keep them afloat in the back. Maybe he could be the one to take charge as well. Who knows? You could also see Bailey Humphrey just kicking another few spectacular goals. He was quiet last week. I wouldn't be surprised if he bounces back in a major way. 
somebody, I think it might have been seven on Twitter, their armchair experts asking who will be the top three players in the league in 2027. And I believe I said Humphrey will be one of those three. You've seen the game-breaking ability from him already, and if the Suns continue to rise alongside him, he can become one of the most dangerous players in the game. So, having given our thoughts on the six games of round 15, Ethan, who is your pick for main character? Uh, Billy Frampton. Really, even though he's on the fringe? Perhaps with, uh, how coming back in? Is it the factor of playing against the Crows? Yeah, that's why. I believe I picked him against Adelaide the first time around for that same reason. Or might have been uh, the round two game against Port when he made his season debut, but against one of his former sides. I kind of forgot that he had also played for Port at the very start of his AFL career. All right, do you have a main character pick? I'm going to go for Nat Fife. He's had a couple spectacular plays since returning, and if Frio managed to win this game and take advantage of the home ground, he'll be a major reason why He's also one of their few players that I trust in wet conditions on that Frio list. I like that. So that's going to do it for us for this episode and for us recording in the same room for a bit because we already recorded the progress reports last night. And you're off to New York. I'm taking you to the airport in a few hours. Yeah, I got to pack and hopefully sleep a little bit. So time to stop wasting time here. Don't forget, find us collectively on Twitter at Americans Footy. Find Ryan Harambe on Instagram and also sleeping next to me. He's at calf named Brian. Ethan's at Castle Media. I'm Benjamin HK01. If you don't know that our last name is spelled with a K by now, the fuck are you doing? 